Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. And as we get ready for the NCAA tournament, I thought, you know, why not do a little bit of a deep dive in with the guy who recruited me? And someone who's had an immense amount of success throughout his his uh, his job as a head coach. He's been a national championship coach at the junior college level, and uh, this is not his first foray in the NCAA tournament. But get ready to watch Lafayette. Excuse me, Louisiana. It's just weird. I but one of the first games I've I ever did. Actually, I think it's the yeah the first game I ever did for ESPN was with Dave Revson. And we were at um, we were at Charlotte, which Charlotte at the time was transitioning to being from being called UNC Charlotte to just being called Charlotte. This is like 2003, and they're like, just call us Charlotte. Well, then all of a sudden you meet with the Louisiana SID, and he's like, "We're the University of Louisiana." Like, mm, I don't know how does how does <laughs> how do the other affiliated schools how does Monroe feel about it? Nonetheless, uh, Louisiana is, I guess it's Louisiana Lafayette, but they go by University of Louisiana. Raging Cajuns, right? Great nickname. It's one of the elite teams in at that level in the country. Consistently, Bob Marlin does a very good job in terms of the dudes he gets, most notably Alfred Payton's most known star. And the style which he plays, it's a very watchable style. They get after, they get up and down. Um, and I, I thought we'd take a deep dive into Coach Marlin, into what made him. And I thought it's the perfect, because here's what's going to happen if they win a game. Right? And they win a game, everybody's going, oh, I'm all in Bob Marlin, Lafayette, Louisiana, Raging Cajuns. You're already going to have that knowledge. You're already going to have that knowledge. Um, in regards to the bracket, I think what we're going to do is Thursday morning, Thursday morning, morning. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to get a bunch of my cronies, if you will, and we are going to uh, just break down every game, and you know, with that, kind of help you sort of a gambling guide more than anything. There, there's so much here that if you're a hoop head, you know, you know, it's it's weird. I don't know if it's because I'm not doing it <laughs> in terms of the selection show um, or it's just we're all kind of worn down by it. And the teams that don't get let in, you know, a lot of them are so very average that you're like, you know, I, I feel bad for Wisconsin and Rutgers, but I don't feel that. Bad. Um, I do feel bad for Oklahoma State. I will point out that. You know, when healthy, they were absolutely a tournament team. The one thing going against them was that Avery Anderson had wrist surgery. And as much as I would have hoped he would have played, I think when you saw the initial prognosis, the thought was there's no way he'll play. And the truth is that uh, they're having to travel on the road to Youngstown for the NIT, but Avery's not going to play. So they wouldn't have had him at full strength. Do I think Oklahoma State's a tournament team? I do. I do. Um, and we have to figure out, we got to figure out how we do it. 
right? Because if I look, I'm, I'm an let's say I'm an Oklahoma State fan. I say, yeah, well, they lost to Central Florida. They had a gigantic lead. Southern Illinois, gigantic lead. Virginia Tech, game they could have won. You know, had the ball a chance to win it. And if you win two of those three, this isn't even a question because of how they performed in the toughest conference in the country. And I also think it's reasonable to say, hey, you're not the same team in February and March that you were in November. Right? But November and December, that's when we find out what conference is better. That's when we get the best gauge. It's like it's almost like if you really want to get a good feel for what the conferences look like against each other, you can't just do the Big 12 SEC Challenge or the Big East Big 12 Challenge or the Big 10 ACC. You got to do it like a couple of games in February. Maybe that's the way, which we have an entire week where it's all you play two uh, non-conference games. You know, the problem with it is conference games generally draw the best. Right? You're going to draw all of the conferences are so spread out. There's not the same rivalries. But the conference games draw the best. And on any of those campuses where football is king or when the kids are on break, it's tough to get people in the building. So you want to play your biggest games, your conference games in February, right? In early March. So uh, it's, it's a really hard way to figure out what's what. But it's like West Virginia, okay? I don't know. They're, they're good. They're fine. Um, they bounce back at the end of the year. And they end up with what seven? They're seven and eleven in Big Twelve play. The difference between them and Oklahoma State is out of conference. They play arch rival Pitt. Pitt wasn't fully healthy, but they smacked them by like twenty nine. They split in league play one and one. Oklahoma State had one more conference win. They both lost close games to Kansas. Like there's a lot of similarities in what they actually did. And then when you look out of league, you know there's the, the like the Texas A and M. How much should we they get a seven seed? How much should we hold their non-conference against them? They didn't play a strong non-conference and they didn't play well, but they clearly got hot and were one of the better teams in the SEC. On the other hand, it's hard to tell how good they were in the SEC because they only played the top three teams once, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Alabama only played them once. So there's a lot to it. I mean, but I don't know why there's less arguing over it. I feel bad for Rutgers, feel bad for Oklahoma State. I I do think that especially those two teams, I would I could pick out a litany of other teams, um, Arizona State, Pittsburgh are the two that kind of come to my mind, and say you know if I'm going to put two in, I'm going to take two out. Those are two that I would easily take out. How'd you like to be Clemson? Right, Clemson, they smack NC State twice in the last two weeks of the season by more than twenty. And don't make the tournament. What are you going to do? Um, it is not all fair, but life's not fair. But I, I love this idea. You know, there's the plant. Jay Billis, who felt like planting the seed of, hey, these conferences, they could break away. I don't see them breaking away. Don't see that one happen. But let's have that discussion at a different time. Let's catch up with Bob Marlin. He's the head coach of the University of Louisiana. I want to talk about your current team, okay, but... I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your, we didn't get through your path and get through your path. Um, when did you decide you want to be a coach? Sophomore year in college. Where were you? Mississippi State. Okay. Why? What was it? What was it that said, I, I want to do this? I was a business major. My father had uh, owned a Lincoln Mercury dealership in Tupelo, Mississippi, my hometown. And I knew I wanted no part of that, Doug. Um, and then my brother was in business, and I just decided I wanted to coach and uh, do something I enjoyed. I was struggling, obviously, with accounting too, and statistics, and uh, <laughs> that <sounds> like me. <laughs> some some of the classes. But uh, I called my high school coach, and he said, "Don't do it. There's no money in it." Uh, and then I called my high school baseball coach. He said, "Don't do it." And then I called my mom. Uh, who I lost last year in the tournament. And she said, follow your heart and do what you want to do. And that was the best advice I tell people that I ever got. Um, that's made moms or something. It, here's, here's what's interesting. I don't know if you know this. So my, my late father, uh, his dad was an accountant, became a car dealer. And 
uh, he thought he almost wanted to have my dad committed because he was trying to give my dad a dealership to run. My dad wanted nothing to do with it. It's like, I, I want to coach basketball. And he thought it was the craziest, the same thing. There's no money in it, right? There's no money in it. So your, your dad's running a Lincoln, owns a, a Lincoln Mercury. Did he think you were nuts? No, no. He loved basketball. He and my mom both played. My dad played junior college ball for a year before he went to Germany. So they they both loved basketball and uh, were my two biggest fans. So, okay. You, how did you, so you decided your sophomore year, how do you go from there to, to the next step to actually coaching? Well, I, I got with Joe Dean Jr., uh, who was at Kentucky at the time. He was a Mississippi State graduate I, he played for Kermit Davis senior there at state and he said if you're going to coach you got to come up here and work three weeks at Joe B Hall camp so I went up to Kentucky met a lot of great friends that are friends to, to today uh, and had had a good experience so I started working the camps and of course I worked Dixie camp for Jodine senior for a few years and and just made the rounds and and fell into it as a grad assistant at Northeast Louisiana under Mike Vining. What was Mike like? Mike was great. Uh, it was his first year to be the head coach and he gave me an opportunity. I was very appreciative. I was there with him two years and we went to NCAA one of those years and Mike was really good with the players, Doug. He I learned a lot from every coach I've worked for, but uh, Mike was really good with the guys. And how so? How so? What 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 specifically made him different? Well, just back in the day, I think guys didn't come out of the office as much, and just you know, serving the guys, spending more time with them. They they would come and hang out in his office like for hours, and just feel totally comfortable. Uh, and I thought Mike was a player's coach. I mean, we were pretty simple, but we were very effective. Pretty simple in terms of what, like what you did offensively, defensively? Offensively, yes, offensively and defensively, but recruited good players. Most of them were from Louisiana, too. So um, so you're there two years. How'd you get to Houston Baptist? I got to Houston Baptist. Uh, heard they had an uh, opportunity there in August after receiving my, after receiving my degree from Northeast. And uh, went and interviewed in August. Coach Iba, Gene Iba hired me and uh, started there in, in the fall of 83. What was what was uh, Coach Iba like? Uh, probably like Mr. Iba to some degree, Doug. I'm sure we could sh share some great stories. Uh, and I, I, But he was hard. He was tough. Yeah. He was tough on me. He was tough on the guys. But, man, he loved them behind the closed doors. Uh, and he's a great guy. He still comes – once a year and watches a couple of games here and we go to dinner and, and uh, really enjoyed visiting with coach, but he was all defense. I learned the same defensive philosophy that you learned. Well, I'll tell you what our defensive philosophy was. This is a great one. So one of my first practices at Oklahoma state and uh, we run, uh, we're, we're doing one on just one-on-one -on, -one, uh, on basically catch it on the wing. And it's one-on-one. -on -one. And I said, uh, well, coach, which way are we forcing what do you mean? I said, well, are we forcing baseline? Are we forcing the middle, coach? He's like, you guard your man. <laughs> I said, well, crazy. That's great. But where is the help coming from, right? Like, if you need help, then help me coach. Go sit over there. <laughs> we, did we did actually force baseline. We did have help and rotated. But, I mean, rule number one was guard your, guard your man, right? <laughs> I mean, it, was, it, was, it was very, very simple. But it's it's interesting, right? You come from a guy who, who you know, Mike's a guy who is a player's coach, right? Or and is able to sit in a room with him, and it's about relationships. To to Gene Iba, you know, who there's a good relationship there, but it's player coach, and it's we're we're getting after it every day in practice. That's an interesting like juxtaposition in your mind as you're putting together your own coaching philosophy. What what? Where are you as a as a coach at that point in time in terms of what you wanted to do? Well, certainly wanted to try to play fast, and and you know at Houston Baptist we did not play fast. <laughs> no way. Uh, you know we, we people talk about running on the road and play or, or running at home and playing slow on the road, but we uh, walked it up at home and held it on the road. 
And we we lost a game, Doug, at uh, Gallagher-Iba before the renovation, 44-43 in overtime. Now, I think Paul Hansen was a coach back then. Uh, I had buddies of mine call me and said, hey, I saw the halftime score. What was the final? <laughs> Just messing <laughs> Uh, but I understand what you're saying about guarding because Coach Iba was the same way. He wanted you to guard your guy. All the different ball screen coverages, you know, and stuff that we do today, you know, Coach says, we're not switching anything. I'm not smart enough to figure that out and know who – I know who gets scored on. Uh, but, you know, defensive transition, five on two, all the stuff that, that Mr. Iba – had done and all of his disciples did. And of course, Coach Iba came to Houston Baptist from UTEP, where he had been with with the Bear. So uh very fortunate to learn how to coach under Gene. I don't know if I said two words in two years on the court. He did it all. Uh and I'm a little bit different uh, today's time than than even when I was at Pensacola. But I learned so much from Coach and uh I'll, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this, Doug. I'd been there about a month in September of 83, and he's like, hey, I need you to go out to Hobby and pick up Henry. So I said, okay. So I drive out to Hobby Airport. Mr. Iba comes off the plane. He's decked out in his suit and looking sharp. So I pick him up and take him back. We have dinner that night, dinner the next night. Um, and at practice, the day we got back, he goes – Hey, go get Henry a chair and put it right there at half court. So he watches practice and watches our passing game. And then that night he starts telling Gene, well, you know, if you did this, you could get this. And so Tommy Jones and I, the other assistant, we're looking at each other like, we, we talked to Coach. He won't listen to us, but he's damn sure listening to, to his uncle. Amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um you go to Marshall, okay? Who's head coach of Marshall? Dane Allman. What was that like? It was good, but it was different again, and I learned a lot from Dana. Uh, Dana wanted someone to recruit the South. I knew Coach Kruger and Greg Grinzig well when they were at Pan American before Lon went to K-State. And Dana called me, and uh, and I was fortunate enough that he hired me. And we, we were there one year from – March to March. And Dana played a little bit of his own defense, so that was good, Doug. And uh, this is one of my favorite stories about that. We were playing Chattanooga of the Southern Conference, and back then we were probably the best two teams in the league. And we're playing at Chattanooga, and it's probably 13 minutes to go in the game, and it's not going great. Dana jumps in his own defense, and, of course, the first basket, you know, immediately they hit a basket. And I'm, I'm like, coach, get out. We got to get out. We got to get out. He goes, no. Nope. He goes, we're going to make them miss two in a row. Uh, and they made their next basket with like three minutes to go in a game. And, and we won. So, uh, but that was good with Dana. Dana was an excellent recruiter and uh, a really good teacher, too. So you get your first job, your first head coaching job, Pensacola. How did you, first, how'd you get the job? Just applied. I got lucky. Uh, I applied. I knew someone that knew the AD, and and I, I got an interview. They narrowed it from shoot fifty to to twelve, and did twelve phone interviews, I think, or something like that. And then uh, brought four people to campus, and I was fortunate enough to get it, and and uh, had a great experience there. The third year I was there, we won a national championship, the first in forty seven years for the state of Florida. Uh, and then I left in, in 95 and went to the University of Alabama with David Hall. You're, 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 but what, what's that first game like, okay, when you, if you can, th think, I mean, to where you are now, where you're a staple of not just Lafayette, uh, not just Lafayette and, and University of Louisiana, okay, and going to the NCAA tournament, but think back to your first game as head coach. What, what do you remember about that experience? Uh, very anxious. Uh, had watched our group practice all fall and and uh, didn't realize how good we were until I saw some of the other teams. But we had good players. And Kirk Spiral was a coach before me at Pensacola, really good coach, uh, just, just retired from Iowa last year. 
And he left a couple of really good players. And that first year, we went 25 and six. But I was anxious. I was nervous. Uh, I remember the game. It was at Delgado uh, Community College. So Where, in, where's that? Where's Delgado? New Orleans. So it was in a tournament. Uh, but just anxious to see how everything would, would turn out. And, of course, you know this, Doug. You, you're not making suggestions anymore. It's, <laughs> it's a, you're making the decision. It's a one trick, you know, you, you don't, and didn't have an assistant coach at the time either. So it's just you. There's nobody. It's just, it's just you. There's literally nobody else to help you. No, I had one volunteer that would come by in the afternoons and help with practice a little bit. Uh, awesome. And probably daunting, right? How yeah. do you, when you, when you win a national championship, you have only done three years, you won a national championship. Um, how do you, how do you have the, obviously it builds up the confidence, but it also, you don't want to be overwhelming with your ego. How'd you, how'd you handle that? Just try to be myself. Uh, I think I've always had a pretty good gauge on that. And just like we tell the team, I try, it's, it's never as good as it seems, never as bad as it seems. It is what it is. And not to get too high or too low, but be steady. You know, I love baseball, and that's one thing I love about baseball. You got to turn around and play the next day if you're not playing two that day. Uh, so you have to put it behind you and just try to keep moving. So you go and you you go with Coach Hobbs to to Alabama. Um, what was that experience like? Fantastic. I, I grew up in the SEC, uh, and and that that was my conference of choice. And Coach Hobbs gave me an opportunity. And went went with him, had a couple of really good years. Um, that's where our paths crossed. But uh, I loved Alabama. It's, a, it's an unbelievable school, and and you know I wrote root form in football. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. It's interesting because um, I, mean, I was really, really close to coming to play for you guys. Obviously, I, it was that you guys lost your jobs at the end of that year, but I thought you were really close. I mean, just it felt like. The like I, I take and I'm, I'm listening to your path. You take pieces of everything you learn along the way, right? I feel like your group at the end there was really, really close, but there was something missing. Is that is that a fair depiction of of what went on at the end at Bama? Yeah, I, I think that is fair. And we had some good players. You know, we needed a, a good point guard. We wound up getting yeah. a guy, Chauncey Jones from Wabash. Uh, junior college who played fantastic for us, but uh, didn't make it. You know, it was disappointing. And Dave was let go with, I think we had eight games left in the SEC. And to his credit, we went five and three and and, and beat Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament before losing to Tubby Smith in Kentucky, who won the national championship that year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Dave was a, as a gem as a guy, I always felt like, like he was, I felt like he he separated himself as a as a human being, but but that was the first time you'd ever been fired, right? Part of a fire staff. Yes. You go from winning a national championship, only had success as a head coach, to your first foray as a high major assistant. You get get fired. Where, where were you personally when that happened? Like emotionally, personally. Well, frustrated a little bit. Uh, felt like I could get another job. I uh, had applied for a few. They didn't come through. I thought I was going to go to Texas A&M uh, with Melvin Watkins. He brought me to Houston, and we met, and then he went a different direction. Uh, but just kept plugging and uh, was fortunate enough to get the job at Sam Houston. I applied for it in May, and they hired me August the 7th. That's crazy, right? Take, I remember you got the job in August. So, Again, this, there's no transfer portal back then, and it's in August, but you are a JUCO guy, right? So you're scrambling. How'd you put together a team? Well, the guys that they had signed or were there, most of them left because they, their parents want to know when are we going to have a coach, right? right. <laughs> and and uh, I told him, I told the AD, and I was his first hire. He's still the AD there as they're transitioning in the Conference USA, Doug, uh, yeah. Bobby Williams, great guy. And uh, I told him, I said, the next time this happens, you or the academic uh, lead, somebody has to call these parents and tell them that, hey, just be patient. We're going to get a good coach, et cetera. But we patched a team together. We had a couple of good kids back that just never won before. 
and uh, we were able to to have a, a decent first year. And then my second year there, we went, uh, I think, twenty three and seven and won the yes. league. Yeah. I mean, that's it's insane. It's in it's insane. It's insane that that success. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so you're 23-7. You flip it in two years. Hey, after getting a job late, how'd the, how'd the Louisiana job come to be? Well, I wound up staying at Sam for a long time, and, and uh, I was contacted by several different schools along the journey, but uh, wound up staying at Sam. And then we went to NCAA in 2010 for the second time, won the league for the third time. And uh, the athletic director, David Walker, University of Louisiana, reached out to me, he and Scott Farmer, uh, the associate AD, and they wanted to meet. And I got off the phone with them. I got a call from Auburn. Then I got a call from Houston. So uh, I interviewed with with Houston and and here and decided to to come here. Yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting because and how you like how Houston is now is not how Houston was then. Right. In terms right. of the resource, like it was nobody went. You know, Hoff Hines was just a complete graveyard, like 300 people at a game. Whereas Louisiana, again, my entire childhood, you'd throw on anytime, was rarely on TV. But when it was on TV, you know, the, the Cajun Dome was packed. It feel, felt like a fun place. What was it like when you first got there? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, the people here are great. Uh, they love life. Uh, the, the food's great here. Uh, and, they, and they love basketball. And uh, they love all our sports. And I compared it to some of my friends, Doug, like Texas A&M. That's how passionate our fans are. I mean, they're, they're for the Cajuns. And it was a great experience to, to come here and, and be able to lead this storied program. So you've been – you've worked for all these different men. You've been a head coach in your own right, but that was the junior college ranks. Then you were head coach at Sam Houston – now this is really your program. Those are two like your program. How how were you? You first get to Louisiana. Let's not 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 right now. First, what are you like in terms of you're a little bit older, okay, a little bit wiser, but you still are always been a relationship guy with the players. What are you like as a coach? What are you like as a as like a quasi parent to these kids? Well, jump in and we always serve the players and uh, treat them like our own, Doug, for sure. And I think a lot of coaching is like parenting. 
you know, you love them, you, you kick them in the rear end, but you want them to perform at their best because you see them every day and you know what's inside of them. So we invested in the guys. We had six seniors that were returning. Uh, some of them didn't want to go to school. Some of them didn't want to go to practice, but yet they wanted to tip it up every every time we played. So we had to be really strict with them. And the first semester I was there going into conference, Doug, we were three and 14. And I'd never been three and 14 in my life, but we stayed true to what we did, made, made uh, uh, one roster change, and we wound up winning 13 games in a row, the longest winning streak in 38 years at Louisiana. So we, we did that at, from Christmas on. And uh, from there, it just took off. You mentioned the passion of Cajun fans, right? But when you're three and 14, <laughs> What was that like walking around town? You're the new guy in town, and coach, what's going on here? What was that like? Well, they're they're fans, right? So yeah. they're going to be on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, I remember my AD telling me when he hired me that we've got great fans here. I mean, tremendous. He says we got a couple of crazies, but uh, most of them are, are really good. So they stuck with us, and then we went 13 in a row and lose to Western Kentucky in the tournament hot springs and get back and. Mardi Gras parade, and I mean, it was it was really neat that first year. It, it was it was probably year four. It it turned right. That's when you won when you won twenty three, and you really kind of had it had rolling a little bit. Um, exactly. Yeah. What what was it that made that year made it turn that year? Well, there's a guy named Alfred Payton for one, uh, and there's another guy named Sean Long for two, and those two guys were roommates. They're both from Louisiana, as Alfred's from New Orleans, John Eric, and Sean's from Morgan City, uh, just south of us. So we we knew how good those players were. And in my third year here, we really struggled at times, but both those guys were playing heavy minutes as freshmen and sophomore, and they got better and better. And the next year, things fell into place for us, and, and we made the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to it. So, and I, and I don't think there is a defined answer, but if Alfred was a freshman today, would you be able to hold on to him today the way you were then? Great question. Um, uh, and his dad, when he was going through the draft process, which he wanted going in the lottery at the, as a 10 pick and people said some of the same things, Doug, about, him that, that they talked about you. you know, he's a great point guard. He can really distribute, but he's not a good shooter. Yeah. And uh, he just continued to to work and, and got better and better. But his dad, well, we were on a call and his dad told someone from the NBA office uh, trying to promote Alfred, but he said, if Alfred was at Duke, he'd be a lottery pick. Sure. And, it, and of course, the NBA, it was, it, they're, they're not going to say one word about anything. They're so professionally correct. Uh, but I thought that was a big deal. But, and then Alfred leaves the next year. His father calls me because, golly, if Alfred would have stayed, we'd been in a sweet 16. Uh, <laughs> I said, you can't say that now. I mean, you got to do what's right for the young man. But, uh, but a great story. And then Sean Long winds up being, the second leading scorer with like 2,400 points, the second or the leading rebounder by 400 in conference history. And today's time, that 400 will never be broken because guys will transfer, Doug, like you said earlier. What about you? I mean, like you're back on top. You built this juggernaut. I mean, you guys, I watched you play. You got a really, really talented team, a really good team. Um, you know, What's it like for you to you've been a part of building this and building this and you know how it, it feels like it's harder at your level than it's ever been. Right. Um, what's it like for you to make these decisions as to I just stay here and I'm the guy here forever or do I take another shot at the SEC at the highest level? Well, the, the, first of all, the people here took great care of me uh, and and I appreciate that. They they supported me. I got a new contract. Uh, we we have another good year in a couple of years that you're probably going to talk about. 
in 2018 uh, and won 27 games, set the school record. We're 26, we were 26 and four, Doug, the last weekend of February, and then we lost three or four. And we had two guys sick and a guy injured, and we lost in a conference semifinal for the tournament on a, on a questionable call. Uh, and then go to the NIT, and you probably know that story. They, they shipped us to LSU to play. And uh, I, at the time, our RPI was like 60 better than theirs. And they had not played in Lafayette in 77 years. And uh, I, we, we would have packed the Cajun Dome if they were. Oh, it would been amazing. It would be amazing. That's like it would be. That's the reason you have the NITs for for a game like that. Exactly. But uh, but no, it, it it was great. And we but you've never. I, I will. I will. I will give you this. I would. I will tell you this. You've also never been a woe is me guy, right? Like it's, you know. I mean, because that to to a lot of people, a lot of coaches, you know. I mean, we can't even get a home game against LSU when everything says. But you you've stayed. Why? And well, just the the players here kept me here uh, for sure. I, I, I'm very close to all of them, but knowing that's not the reason that you that you do stay, but just the quality of life here. Uh, and Lafayette's a great city. It's it's got a lot of positives to it. Uh, and as I said earlier, the the people are are tremendous. And you know, losing that game, Doug. There were people that were disappointed we didn't go to the NCAA school record wins, but that's what happens at our level. And yeah. you try to look, I'm not going to let one bad weekend take away from three months of outstanding play by my team. I mean, it's just, it's too difficult. And uh, that's why this year it was a relief and a thrill uh, to, to win this thing. Um, the COVID year, knocked you guys off a little bit, right? And then last year, I felt like that was, you know, so many teams kind of was like a reorganizing, reorganizing year. How how has this year been built? To take me through the process of how you built this group. Well, the COVID year, it was difficult on everyone, right? Um, and we struggled. We also had some major injuries, Doug. Our, our best player, hurt his knee back-to-back years and couldn't play. And we had other guys that were hurt. Uh, and we just weren't quite good enough. And we did. We struggled that first year. The second year in COVID, we got off to a great start. We were 13-4 and four and wound up 17-9 and nine and got beaten in the semifinals by Georgia State uh, in, in the conference tournament in Pensacola. So we, we continued. We came back the next year. We added some pieces. And – Felt like we we got a couple of good transfers, and we felt like, hey, we're we're going to be back in the money here pretty soon. And and uh, fortunately, this year we had a really good year. Oh yeah, great great year. Uh, obviously, so did Southern Miss. I mean, that was, was, was the the top of the league is really talented. Um, Greg Williams, local kid, right? Yes. Take me through your process. How'd you get him? Uh, Greg is from Lafayette Christian, uh, right here in Lafayette, and tremendous player. Of course, when I got here, he was probably in sixth, seventh grade, and we watched him. His mother and dad went to school here, uh, and we knew that we would have a shot at him, but he wound up playing so well that he got recruited by a lot of folks, and he signed with St. John's, and Played there for three years, played really well his third year, uh, but put his name in a portal and wanted to transfer, I guess, two summers ago. And we were fortunate enough to get him here. Uh, and he is one of the best kids I've ever coached, Doug. He's a tremendous person and a pretty good player, too. And we're just excited to have him back home. It's been unbelievable coaching Greg. So I did a home visit with him in 2017, right? His going into his senior year. Yeah. I do a home visit with Jordan Brown in 2017. I don't get either one of them, <laughs> but I get them, but I get them both back at the same the time yeah. for two years. And and the thing that I appreciate about that is it says that we're doing things the right way and handling things the right way. And I'm not going to let my pride get involved when I know this is a good kid and a really good player 
you know, I didn't get him the first time. That's fine. We're, we're going to stick with it. That's a, spe- that's a special thing though, to not have the pride and the ego. And cause, cause some coaches, they don't get a guy and, 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 you know, obviously now I think people are realizing with the portal, uh, getting the, getting a guy on a bounce back is important. Was that ever in your mind or is it just how you are in terms of not burning that bridge? Yeah, that's the way I am. I mean, we're always going to handle it correctly. We lose a kid, we're going to call him and probably did it with you and said, hey, congrats, yeah. I hope you have a great career. You know, I, I just think that's the the business approach to take. It's, that's our job. And you've developed a relationship with that person and you never know what's going to happen down the road. Jordan, what, what's this been like to have him, a kid super, super highly decorated? Um, what, what's, what was it? First, what was it like to actually get him and then the process of coaching. To get him was was a challenge. I mean, he played so well, and then he got the McDonald's All-American uh, honor. I think his official visits, he could have gone anywhere he wanted, Doug, but he took official visits to St. John's. And ironically, it was the same weekend Greg visited St. John's. So they were together on an official visit together. But uh, he winds up at Nevada with Musselman, and he's from Roseville, close to Sacramento. Uh, and wanted to stay stay somewhat close. Had a tremendous year that year, and uh, winds up leaving after Musman leaves and goes to Arkansas, and puts uh, puts his name in a portal. And of course, Dad calls me and tells me they're they're in the portal. And so we, I, I said, great, you know, we need to get him in here this time. And and he said, no, uh, I, I think he wants to go to Arizona. And at the time, I'm a big Arizona fan, but at the time, I was concerned with there was some smoke going around Arizona, just like it was over here at LSU, right? So I told him, I said, that's too risky. But he went, he sat out a year and redshirted and gained weight and practiced every day. And then the next year, he was the Pac-12 sixth man of the year and started about a dozen games for Sean Miller. So... Uh, it, he he had a good run, but then after the COVID stuff again, he wanted to leave, and they called, and and we got him that 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 last time, and he's been tremendous. He's worked so hard, he's matured. He graduated at Christmas this year, Doug, uh, and just tremendous footwork. But you know, I had a McDonald's All American at Pensacola, uh, and helped us win a national championship, and then. Certainly, Jordan has helped get us to the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's been a, an interesting year. You hit one ten in a row. You had that that stretch where you were, you had it humming. Um, you lost obviously to Southern Miss. Had a couple losses late in the year, and then you end up. I mean, let's just be honest. You, you there's some upsets in the tournament, so you had, didn't have to face the top dogs, right? You didn't have to face Southern Miss again. Um, on the other hand, it's not like your team was a phony. It's not like you were. You know, that you dodged everybody all year. How good do you think this team is? I think we've got a good group. I really do. And if we get good guard play, we can win next week. Uh, With Jordan inside, he's going to command a double team or triple team almost every night. And if not, like our last regular season game was on ESPN2, Doug, against South Alabama, who had won eight and nine at the time. And Jordan went 13 and 15 from the field against the defensive player of the year in our league, Kevin Samuel, who averaged a double-double four years in a row, a really good player. So he's going to command some attention. He can score on anybody as good as any post player we play in the tournament. I'll take my guy every time because I know what he can do. So I like this group. We did – we won five in a row. We got beat at Drake. And Drake's pretty good, right? Yeah, they're good. So, yeah, and then then we went five more in a row. We get beat at Texas. Texas is pretty good. good. Yeah. And they shot the cover off the ball that night against us. And you know what? They continue to do it. I've been really impressed by Texas. Uh, and then we start off conference, and we lose by one and four at Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion. And people are starting to doubt, you know, what's wrong. Uh, you know, the wheels are coming off. You know how it is. And we just kept working. And then we played Southern Miss the first home game, uh, beat them 15. 
beat Georgia State. Then we went on the road and won four consecutive conference road games for the first time in school history in any conference that we participated in. And then we got it. We got our 10th win in a row. It was against Marshall uh, in a big game that we needed to win. And we Jordan has 26 and 20 in that ball game and just played tremendous. So the next game was a Southern Miss game. And we go to Reed Green Coliseum. They've got 8,100 there, biggest crowd in like 15 years. And we were up five at halftime. We were up seven in the second half, but we wound up losing the game by by nine, I think. And did really disappointing. You know, I'm from Mississippi, so I wanted to go over there and play well. I had a bunch of my college friends and high school friends there. Uh, and But Southern Miss was – we were the underdog that night. Their, their net was better than ours. They've got a good team, as you said, and just came out of nowhere. They had a great year. Then we go to Troy, lose to Troy. They finished fifth in the league, and we beat them 16 of 18 times going in. And it, sometimes it just happens. Uh, and then we come home, we beat Monroe. Then we go to James Madison, Doug, and we play a really good team coached by Mark Byington. They finished fourth in the league, and we got the lead in that game with seven minutes to go. And with five minutes to go, Jordan Brown was fouled out of the game. I don't know that he fouled out, but he was fouled out. I got you. And we, and we lose that game by six. And, uh, you know, we came home, and then we beat – obviously beat uh, South Alabama uh, and Arkansas State at home to, to springboard us in the tournament. We went undefeated in the Cajun Dome for the first time in 38 years of the building. And the first time we've gone undefeated at home in, in even 50 years, 1973. So uh, half a century. We, we've done some good things, but we knew we could go win the tournament. Uh, we wanted to play Marshall and Southern Miss, to be honest. We felt like we were better in both of them, uh, even though they had good teams. But we were looking for the competition. But, hey, that's the beauty of March. Upsets, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um what what's what's it like for you now? Now you you've had the experience of the tournament before, uh, but to to get back when after a couple of difficult years, those COVID these COVID years and injury years, what's it like for you personally to get this thing back? It's it's big. I mean, it means a lot to me, and uh, I reflect on it occasionally. But we're still moving, trying to to win games in the tournament. I've been in the tournament four times, Doug, uh, and and we're we're zero and three. We played. Florida, my first opportunity uh, at Sam Houston State and played good for a half and had a really good team. And then the, the second trip that we had was against Baylor in New Orleans. And we were tied with four minutes to go and wound up losing that game by nine. And then we played Creighton in 14 in San Antonio uh, down one at halftime, we wound up losing by 10. They had a pretty good player named uh, yeah, Doug McDermott. <laughs> the, that, that whole team could shoot the hell out of it, too. They could, and it was a guy named Nathan Rogge. I'll yeah. never forget it. He made four threes. He's like a 6'10 post player. Yeah. And uh, I remember my dad telling me after the game, he called me. He said, if you would have guarded that big kid on the perimeter, not letting him shoot all those threes, you win. You know. And I said, well, we were trying to, trust me. <laughs> uh, but we got beat by 10. Didn't we were two for thirteen from three? You can't win a tournament game shooting like that. You got to make some shots and have great guard play. Uh, so we're excited about getting back. I mean, I've been a head coach for twenty five years at the Division One level, and uh, it's just hard to get there. Uh, and and seventeen of the twenty five years, Doug, that I've been a head coach, we finished in the top four in our league. So if you want to be candid about it, yeah, we could. If we were in another league, we, we'd go to the tournament every year because we're solid every year. And I think consistency is the biggest thing that I'm proud of with, with my program. Last thing. Um, Lafayette is famous for beautiful women and incredible food, right? Um, if I come to Lafayette for one day, where's the one place I have to eat and what I'll have to order? Well, you've got to get – the the Creole food, right? You right. gotta get you gotta get gumbo and jambalaya and boudin and right. okay. boudin balls, you know, and, and they have festivals here all the time. Crawfish, you gotta have crawfish. 
I, okay, so where do I go? I'm coming well, to town. Where you're do putting I go? me on the spot here. Yes. Because, you know, there, there are so many great restaurants here. Uh, but but Don Seafood has been here forever, and it's somewhat of a staple. And they they have the best gumbo that that to me in in Lafayette. Listen, I can't wait to see who you get. I really appreciate your time, and I'd love to do this again and talk even more about your experiences along the way because um, that, that that granular detail stuff that's the stuff that I I love. But congrats on your success, and uh, can't wait to see who you who you beat on Thursday or Friday next week. Thanks, Doug. Good catching up. My thanks to Coach. Uh, that Now that's a team that you should look out for. And I do believe, and maybe it's from watching them on tape, maybe it's from talking to Coach, maybe it's from seeing Tennessee struggle offensively or seeing Rick Barnes' team struggle offensively in the tournament in the past. I think they're going to win. I think go money line. <laughs> anyway, uh, remember, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily from uh, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, 12 to 2 Pacific, plus we got the In the Bonus podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 